The Bowen Program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 99th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in just a minute or two, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who was at last night's NFL Draft, Round 1. And in about a half an hour, we'll be joined by Dave Gorin, Executive Director of the National Sportscasters and Sportswriters Association and Hall of Fame. Well, first of all, as I said, I'm located right here near Boston, so my thoughts and prayers go out to the victims of the Boston Marathon bombings. I visited the memorial yesterday, which is a mere half hour from my house where the bombings occurred, and uh, there's a memorial has been put together, basically catty corner within a couple hundred yards of the Boston Marathon finish line where the bombs went off. I walked right by the site. And I posted the videos of the memorial on the Voice America YouTube channel. And yesterday was very somber and, and frankly, quite eerie. Lots of people around since Boylston Street just opened uh, two days ago on Wednesday. The memorial had tons of flower bouquets strewn around, and there was also... Uh, a section of it that was just hats, Boston hats, Boston strong hats laying on the ground all uh, together in like a big square. And then there was also a railing where sneakers, dozens and dozens of sneakers signed by the runners, their sneakers were hanging from this railing. And uh, so it was really very emotional to say the least. Again, lots of people around uh, walking through this makeshift memorial. And I must say the city has really come together in a way that I have never seen in the decades that I have lived here. At, uh, yes, it, it seemed like a very different type of city with kindness and courtesy and spirit just everywhere uh, and seemingly lifted the veil of coldness 
that has always been uh, attributed to this city. So all in all, it was quite moving to be on Boylston Street yesterday, to say the least. Well, I'm going to hold off for uh, till the second segment with my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items for this week because we have with us for about 15 minutes our weekly call-in guest, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who was at last night's NFL Draft. A.P., how you doing today? Well, I'm doing great, John. Just a little weary, but I'm ready to go for day two. I'll bet you are a little weary. Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate you calling in, as always, but especially today, because uh, I know how busy your schedule is uh, yesterday, today. Uh, my impression is you're headed down to New York this afternoon to cut uh, for round two and three tonight at Radio City Music Hall. Yes, I sure am, John. It's a fine day, a little breezy, but I think it's, it's tolerable, and I'll enjoy myself again like I did yesterday in New York City. Uh, it's always an exciting day. Uh, all these young players are going to be traveling to their new homes, new NFL teams, and you see all the families there. And it's, just, it's a wonderful event. It really is. And you and I, of course, have uh, been at the last two NFL drafts together. Uh, so I'm dying to hear. How was round one last night? Alabama was certainly well represented. Oh, they sure were, John. It was another infomercial for Nick Saban and crew. Uh, and, and also the Florida State team had, I believe, three in the first round. But uh, Alabama did had a few milestones. Three players were selected right consecutively, 9, 10, and 11. I guess that's the first time in the history since the common draft in 1967. So there's always something interesting when the Alabama players are, are drafted. Uh, D.J. Fluker, for instance, he's the first right tackle, John, believe it or not, in the history of the school to be drafted in the first round since that common draft in 1967. Really? Wow. I, I look back at all the individuals, and, of course, they had, you know, John Hanna and uh, Chris Samuel, some of the outstanding linemen in the past, and, you know, Andre Smith and James Carpenter were tackles, and, you know, John was a guard, but uh, the other fellows were all left tackles. So another milestone for Nick Saban and his recruiting efforts. Uh, Simply uh, amazing. The cornerback, D. Milliner, he tied uh, Antonio Langham, who was drafted in 1994, uh, as the ninth selection. So that's the highest in the common draft in 67 for an Alabama cornerback. So it was a good night for D. And I, and I guess when you're you're selected by a guy who's known for his defensive schemes, uh, you have to feel pretty good about your abilities. And, and D's coming to a city uh, New York that scrutinizes their players much like they do in Tuscaloosa. A tough town if you don't play well. And so not only is he coming to that big spotlight, but he's having to replace maybe an all-time jet. So his confidence level, we, I asked Nick Saban last, last night and how his confidence level would translate to being successful in New York. And he said, well, he's been on the stage in Tuscaloosa and he'll just worry about his responsibilities and, and proceed from there. Well, and on that note, let me just take a moment that the reason I was not able to make it to the NFL draft uh, this weekend is because I just got back from Florida, Tampa to be exact. So I was literally in Tampa the entire time when the Darrell Rivas news broke, uh, when he was there on Sunday. I was literally in downtown Tampa. With, <laughs> I drove right by Raymond James Stadium at the exact time when he was arriving with his agent to meet with Greg Schiano. So it was very, very exciting to be in Tampa for the, again, breaking news of Darrell Rivas uh, being traded to the Bucks. So it was, uh, 
it was just terrific. So I got a great perspective on that. The whole city is just, I think it's as excited as I've ever seen a city for any new player to arrive on their team for the, for an NFL franchise other than a quarterback. You know, it reminded me of like when Drew Bledsoe went to Buffalo and they held like, you know, I think they gave him the key to the city and held a parade. Uh, when he left the Patriots to go to the Bills, and it was just practically reminiscent of that. So uh, I just wanted to make that little side note. Uh, so even if I can't be in New York this weekend, I was in Tampa, which was the epicenter of the NFL last weekend, and it was really exhilarating, to say the least. Uh, well, let me ask you this, uh, AP. Was Nick Saban... At the draft last night, obviously he was there last year. You and I both interviewed him, uh, along with many other media members. Uh, was he there last night? He sure was, uh, John. And, and wow. come to find out, Alabama had what's called a crimson caravan, a block or so right from Radio City Music Hall. And that's a, co- a collection of fans and alumni who pay $100 a ticket in New York to hear Dick Saban talk off the record about the program. And he always lectures them now, if something gets out, then I can't be having these crimson caravans and, and releasing all this in, private information. But normally he's in Memphis and Dallas and Atlanta and all over Alabama, New Orleans, and all scattered across the South. But this is the first time in New York. And once again, Nick Saban, uh, the cutting edge of recruiting and uh, alumni functions, uh, he, he's, he's the best. He is the best. And, you know, on that note, let me just ask you uh... – are there any other or many other coaches that actually attend the draft? I mean, again, we know now Nick Saban has been there at least two years in a row. Uh, were there other coaches there last night? I think most of the coaches, John, are invited by a network. I saw Les Miles. I said a little to Kevin Sumlin, the Texas A&M coach. I think Jimbo Fisher was here. And that's all that I can recall at the moment. But normally they're invited by a network. And Nick Saban has been invited in the past, but he his players like to have him on hand. It's good for him. He's able to meet with the New York media and other media members, and I'm sure he might even been interviewed on the radio or, or TV last night. I just didn't have a chance to, to find that out. Well, I was very impressed last year. Uh, it was my first time uh, interviewing Nick Saban, and I was very impressed with his uh, demeanor and whatnot and how uh, – you know, how happy he seemed to be there, mostly, you know, for his players that were being drafted last year. And I'm sure the same held true last night. Uh, and you named a couple of other SEC coaches, of course, uh, which obviously brings up the fact that the SEC had another big night. They had 12 players drafted in round one, the most of any conference. Uh, so how was the whole SEC dynamic last night in Radio City? Yeah, they have some some outstanding players from the from the top schools. I mean, the schools that have been winning in the past, you know, Georgia and LSU, and uh, of course Alabama. So I, I don't think that trend will stop anytime soon. Uh, the, the coaches realize that the league is getting faster, especially on the outside. They're drafting players with speed. I mean, John, if you look at the first six selections, they had three tackles. And they had all people on the outside with speed. Uh, one was, you know, uh, Bartavius Mingo, obviously from LSU, and uh, Deion Jordan is a, a lightning quick player off the edge. And had a, you know, another another fellow from BYU, uh, Ziggy Ansah, 
who's really untested because he has not played a lot of football. So it's a big risk, but, but they're going to risk if it's speed involved. Right, right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, these days, it's heady days for Alabama, heady days for the SEC. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like there's any risk involved when you're taking SEC players. That's just how dominant the conference is right now. It's just remarkable to see. Uh, so, AP, tell me about, you know, some of the other highlights. I mean, obviously, three of the first four picks were linemen. Highly unusual, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, last night was a night for the big uglies, and good for them. Oh, yeah, it sure was, John. And one thing you noticed about, uh, for instance, the team, uh, uh, St. Louis went up to get the wide receiver from West Virginia. And he was a you know, an outstanding playmaker. And the Jet fans, I think, had their hearts set on grabbing him. But St. Louis, their, their need of a wide receiver to help that quarterback uh, from Oklahoma. So people will move up for, for speed or what they perceive as outstanding talent. Uh, you, you saw the Buffalo team draft E.J. Manuel. That was kind of a surprise, I'm sure, to all the, all the people watching. So it just takes one, one person to like you, and if they perceive you as being of a high value, they're, they're going to take some risks, let loose with some draft choices, and they'll put their job on the line, essentially, if you're drafting a quarterback up in that range. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Well, you're of course speaking of Tavon Austin. I used to cover the West Virginia Mountaineers earlier in my career. And, uh, so, you know, I watched, always watch them when, when I can. And, uh, he is a pure game breaker. I, I, I think he only weighs about 170 pounds, but so I'm really anxious to see, you know, how he does in the NFL. And, uh, clearly the most exciting player in the draft. And I wasn't surprised to see the Rams move up to get him. Uh, I think he could make Sam Bradford, you know, a breakthrough player yet again after, uh, you know, a great rookie season. And then he leveled off a bit. But I think with Tavon Austin there, he could uh, be back to his old awesome self from his rookie year. Yeah. I, I think it's really not fair, John, when you have a young quarterback, and with the pressure that's applied today, he does not have an outlet or a release to, to throw the ball and, and get rid of it quickly. So you really put him at a disadvantage. You, you, you're really not getting a true indication of his talent level if his receivers cannot get open. So I have to believe, if you, if you spend that much uh, money to, to draft and sign a top-level quarterback, it makes no sense uh, not to have a, an outstanding wide receiver or two. Absolutely. Uh, hey, let me ask you this, and I know it's uh, you need to get headed down to New York for uh, for rounds two and three tonight. But was Howie Long there, knowing that uh, he's the first NFL Hall of Famer ever to have two sons chosen in the NFL draft? Because uh, Kyle uh, was chosen last night. Uh, he played for Oregon, an uh, offensive guard. But was Howie Long there last night? I did not see him, John, and I would say he was not there because his son was not there. Oh, okay. So, right. so that that because someone from from Oregon actually sent me a text, and he, and then he texted me back saying his son's not here. So I I, I doubt he was there. Okay. So we've, okay. We've well, we've been nice though. We've been nice for Holly to be in attendance and watch his son walk across the stage, whatever round it would have been. Well, indeed, it would have been, uh, it was certainly NFL history. And, you know, I caught a good portion of the first round, but I didn't catch that exact pick. So, uh, 
Interesting to know, but AP, I just want to thank you for calling in. I'm going to let you go now. I know how busy uh, your day is. Good luck tonight down in New York, and uh, once again, thank you so much for calling in. John, thank you very much, and my last thoughts and prayers are to the folks from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the support has been awe-inspiring, to put it mildly, and uh, thank you for saying that. And with that said, uh, we're going to take our break now, and uh, I'll get into my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items on the other side of the break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific time. 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And I will now get into my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that I typically do right off the top, but... We were lucky enough to have A.P. Stedham uh, find a few minutes to call in uh, from the NFL draft where he was in attendance last night for round one and literally in transit down to round two and three tonight in New York City at Radio City Music Hall. So no surprise, my highlight of the week uh, is indeed 
last night's NFL draft where, uh, you know, where dreams come true. And I, I, I'm a big fan of Roger Goodell's hugs because they seem so sincere and he just truly seems to get it. Uh, I've been there in person the last two years, so I can serve witness that, uh, you know, there's real emotion there that he truly seems, the commissioner does, to understand that, you know, these guys, these football players who have played their entire life and worked hard to get there to last night, uh, that their dream is actually coming true in front of his very eyes on national TV. He's the first person to greet him. And uh, so I just think he does a great job. I'm a big fan. I love it. Uh, it's great to see the linemen finally get their due last night. It was, uh, you know, the fourth time an offensive lineman has been chosen first overall. And, uh, of course, was tackle Eric Fisher from Central Michigan. The Chippewas, not often that a Central Michigan player is drafted uh, num- in the first round, let alone number one, the uh, only one previous was uh, 49ers Pro Bowl tackle Joe Staley uh, back about five years ago. And uh, so, yeah, it, again, it was wonderful to see. It was the uh, first trio of tackles since 1967 to be selected in the first four picks of the NFL draft, as we talked about with AP. So, again, it was just, uh, as it always is, just a very, very special night. Uh, shockingly, only one quarterback was drafted, and uh, it was E.J. Manuel going to the Buffalo Bills. Clearly, they have had their quarterback issues uh, over the past decade or so, uh, really ever since Jim Kelly retired. And uh, so it'll be great to see how he works out. Uh, Geno Smith. Obviously, in the news, apparently, uh, hit the West Virginia quarterback, uh, was in the green room last night, obviously did not get picked, uh, apparently left uh, the draft early, uh, creating some questions, but uh, it sounds like he's going to be there tonight. So all is well in Geno's world, and, uh, you know, he's going to be an interesting player. Uh, I won't soon forget watching him against Baylor. Uh, I think the f- I think he threw seven or eight touchdown passes. The final score was something like you know seventy three to seventy or something like that. Uh, it was just an incredible game. So a lot of talent, uh, to say the least. Manti Te'o, I of course uh, have said since uh, the girlfriend, uh, the imaginary girlfriend fiasco surfaced a couple months back from that moment on i've said consistently it was going to affect his draft status and i think uh i was certainly proven right last night when he did not go in the first round um we'll see what happens with him but uh, never for a second did i think he would would go in the first round so uh i'd I'd say he and geno smith are going to be the Two top players to watch tonight. When will they go? Um, obviously, USC quarterback Matt Bark- Barkley, another one uh, that everybody's interested in seeing where he's going to go. So still a lot of talent on the board, so it's going to be uh, fascinating, as always, to watch. Uh, I, myself, last night, uh, watched some of it at 
uh, some of the draft round one at CBS scene, which is beside Gillette Stadium, which was great, terrific atmosphere. Uh, I literally was sitting in CBS scene and was watching the draft both on a TV at my table, but was able to just look immediately to my right, right through into Gillette Stadium and right onto their gigantic HD scoreboards where they had on uh, the draft, obviously. And so it was great. It was just a great, great place to be. A lot of energy and just uh, a lot of fun. And the Patriots, of course, uh, held true to form where they traded their 29th pick, the 29th pick, their first round pick, to the Vikings for four players, four slots in the draft mid-round. So on the surface, it appears uh, to have been just a a terrific trade uh, because the Patriots were a little thin in the middle rounds. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, uh, this draft is really uh, has a lot of talent in those mid rounds, so only time will tell, as we all know, with the draft. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if the Patriots uh, strike gold yet again. Um, but I must say, sitting up here in Boston and last night sitting, uh, you know, in in the shadow of Gillette Stadium, it's disappointing when they trade the pick and don't make the pick. Uh, I've, I've been. <laughs> I've been over at Gillette Stadium on a number of occasions when that has happened. Uh, but Bill Belichick does what's right for the franchise. He's not catering to any crowds. And uh, I'd say he's done a pretty good job. I don't think anybody's arguing with his tactics on draft day. Well, my low light of the week, uh, which was really last week, but it certainly carried in, into this week, was uh, the Liverpool soccer player. Biting his opponent, obviously shades of Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Uh, it's been getting a lot of airtime, uh, but it was great to see the uh, the Premier League meet out one of its harshest punishments ever against a player. Uh, suspended him for like I think ten games, and you know it's going to be the rest of this season, first half dozen or so games of next season. And uh, they really put the hammer down, as they should. Uh, We all know soccer has its share of flopping, uh, much of which just does not not get noticed, called, whatever you want to call, yellow carded, red carded, any of it. And, uh, but this time, you know, that guy crossed the line and the EPL, to its credit, again, lowered the boom on him and uh, as well they should. My bizarre story of the week uh, was Auburn finally giving up and taking down the big tree at Toomer's Corner. It, of course, has been the gathering spot for decades for Auburn football fans, for pep rallies, for game day, for post-game. You name it. It has just been symbolic and iconic down in Auburn, Alabama. Of course, it was poisoned by an Alabama fan who is now in jail and uh, right where he needs to be because it was just uh, a low blow, not unlike uh, the Liverpool player biting his opponent. It's just uh, certain things cannot be tolerated, and that is certainly one of them. So with that said, we have uh, it's time for our break, and on the other side will be Dave Gorin, Executive Director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association and Hall of Fame. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. I love Polaris. When we talk about boot bots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us now is Dave Gorin, Executive Director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association and Hall of Fame. And Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. It's a beautiful day here in Salisbury, North Carolina. I hope you're doing well as well. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day up here in New England as well. And uh, you've called in before and have always been a great guest. And I know it's that time of year when you're planning uh, the NSSA's big event of the year, which, of course, is uh, your awards weekend, which this year is going to be in Salisbury, North Carolina, June 8th to 10th. So I just thought it would be a good time to catch up with you and see how the awards weekend is shaping up. Well, it's shaping up well. As you said, this is our busy time. It started about a month ago where my assistant and I and some of our volunteers and board members just start uh, getting final details done. Uh, For me, it's been selling congratulatory ads in our printed program and then laying out program pages, designing and laying out, and if you had ever told me, uh, as unartistic a person as you could possibly meet, that I would be designing and laying out uh, printed pages, <laughs> uh, somebody would have told you you were crazy. But uh, a lot of that um, 
just getting our venue set, our our menus planned, and and uh, all that kind of behind the scenes stuff that uh, hopefully no one notices because it'll all go smoothly June eighth, ninth, and tenth. Well, I'm sure it will. Uh, and why don't you walk our listeners through, you know, how the weekend unfolds? I mean, obviously you uh, nominate uh, sports writers and broadcasters. Uh, you know, for various awards. I, of course, am a member of NSSA, so I voted on that. Uh, you know, why don't we, again, maybe some of the nominees for your big sure. awards and just how it all works. Right. We, we all of our members nominate up to three people for state and national sportscaster and sports writer of the year. That's mid-October to mid-November. And also, actually, members did not nominate for the Hall of Fame this year, but we take for the states the top two plus ties out of those nomination votes. Put those on the final ballot. We put the top ten national uh, nominees, and then from our national board, we gather nominations for Hall of Famers and put uh, a list of ten of each sportscaster and sports writer on the final ballot. That happens in December, the fi- final balloting. We tally and then start uh, notifying our winners the first week of January, and and then we start getting ready. Um, we do a three-day awards weekend here in Salisbury, North Carolina, which is a city of about 33,000, uh, right off Interstate 85 or right on Interstate 85, depending on uh, how you look at things. We're about 45 minutes northeast of Charlotte and southwest of Winston-Salem and Greensboro. And what we do is we invite all of our award winners to come for the weekend, June 8, 9, and 10. They have to pay to get here, but once they get here, we put them up in a hotel, and we feed them and water them and drink them and entertain them for three days, and it's uh, it's quite the, the networking experience. It's good to see old friends in the business and meet some new ones, and and it's it's just a blast. We, we start with a welcome reception and dinner. We do a an issues forum after the dinner opening night. This year it's going to be on ethics in sports media. Uh, Bob Rathbun, who is the television voice of the Atlanta Hawks, will be our moderator. We have Kirk Bowles who covers college football and basketball, mainly the University of Texas for the Austin American Statesman on the panel, along with Mary Jo Perino, who just left her job as sports anchor at the NBC affiliate in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Ken White, who's a former co-worker of mine, just left uh, his Fox station in Charlotte after 13 years as news director, and we're hoping to get uh, a team official as well into the mix on that panel opening night. It's, it's usually very... Uh, it's both informative and entertaining because not all of our guests, we have a lot of spouses and, and friends who show up who, who aren't the biggest sports fans, but we try to make it entertaining for them as well. That's Saturday. Sunday, the National Athletic Trainers Association sponsors an awards brunch and seminars, sports medicine-related seminars by two of their members for our members. We will do the uh, second annual NSSA Sportsbook Festival we have Dick Vitale signing his books, Dan Shaughnessy signing his Terry Francona bio, Woody Durham, the retired voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, has a book out. He will sign that. And uh, Ted Geltner has a biography of one of our Hall of Famers, Jim Murray. He'll be here to sign that. And Helen Williams, who works in the Boston area, uh, former college basketball player and coach, will sign her book that is titled Coach Like a Mother. So... We're looking forward to that. We then uh, have a barbecue and dance at the historic train station here 
in Salisbury, which is a beautiful space. It's indoor and outdoor, so we can take advantage of the weather if it's nice. We'll have the, the Salisbury Swing Band performing as well. And then on Monday, we have a golf tournament in the morning. We have a luncheon and tour of Salisbury for those who don't want to play golf. And then our big awards banquet, 54th annual, will take place at the gymnasium at Catawba College on Monday night, June 10th. So it's a pretty full weekend, as as you can tell by everything I just told you. Oh, to say the least. Well, golfing in North Carolina, always a highlight. And, you know, another highlight is you have the, you know, biggest of the biggest names are in attendance at this weekend every year. Uh, you know, in the past, it's just, you know, Jim Nance immediately comes to mind and, you know, names of that ilk. Uh, who are you expecting this year since, again, uh, you always have the biggest of the big names? Well, Dick Vitale, who I mentioned, is one of the uh, signers at the book festival, is going into our Hall of Fame along with Mitch Album, the longtime sports columnist for the Detroit Free Press, who also you see on ESPN Sports Reporters a lot. He is also a, he also hosts a daily radio talk show in Detroit uh, and obviously is a, a best-selling author, uh, Tuesdays with Maury was his was his first book that uh, sold gazillions of copies and made into a TV movie. He has since written four or five more. Our national sportscaster of the year is Dan Patrick, who hosts the Dan Patrick radio show every morning and also works uh, for NBC and NBC Sports Network. Sunday Night Peter Football. King from Sports, sports Illustrated is our national sports writer of the year. So they're all coming. Uh, at various points during the weekend, but they'll all be here for the banquet. So, so wow. it'll be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Dan Schulman, who was our national sportscaster last year, has already told us he'll come to support his uh, his partner on college basketball telecasts, Mr. Vital. I would not be surprised to see Jay Billis here. He came last year. He lives right down the road in Charlotte. Uh, George Bodenheimer, longtime president at ESPN, is going to present Dick Vitale for the Hall of Fame. And uh, for those of you who don't know the story, uh, George started out as a driver in the mailroom at ESPN and used to drive Dick Vitale around. <laughs> and now he's the uh, executive chairman at ESPN. So you you can't wow. go from the mailroom to the boardroom at ESPN. It has been done, as, as he has proven. Uh, I expect uh, a few NBC sports execs to come in support of Dan Patrick and Peter King, uh, and you, know, you never know who else will show up. Well, George Bodenheimer, of course, is by any and every poll taken in the in recent years among the most powerful men in sports, period. Top top two or three, easily. Right. And uh, no question about that. And, you know, Peter King and Dan Patrick, of course, they team up every Sunday night on NBC Sunday Night Football, which has just become, uh, you know, a must must watch, uh, even even after a day of watching, you know, typically uh, eight, nine hours of football leading up to that. But, you know, the, no Sunday's complete in the fall without that's watching right. watching that and, and, and that show. The, ra- the ratings are just off the charts for... Right, and if, you, if you're a, a regular reader of, of Peter King, you know his Monday morning quarterback that appears on SI.com every Monday... And those are usually between eight and 10,000 words. And if you've ever sat down to write any kind of article or commentary, uh, you know that 8,000 words is two weeks' worth. And I asked Peter how he, 
how he gets that done every week. And he told me he goes in, he's, he goes into the NBC studios around noon. They watch the early game. I believe they might record something during the four o'clock game. That's four o'clock Eastern. Right. And then he said he leaves around, I think he said around nine o'clock and starts writing and doesn't finish until seven in the morning on Monday. So he pulls an all nighter every week, basically. With his beloved coffee. Oh, and his, and his coffee and his beer. <laughs> exactly. Coffee nerdness and his beer nerdness. And when he, he was the winner here two years ago, and um, I think one of my friends from home in Massachusetts on Facebook said, hey, I saw your name in Monday Morning Quarterback. It's like, really? And he had written about uh, getting getting the call from me that he had won, and you know there was my name in the you know, the very first line of his Monday morning quarterback, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people uh, that went right out of their minds in the in the ensuing eight to ten thousand words of his column. But he also wrote about NSSA uh, in the next week's Monday morning quarterback. So so he's been good to uh, NSSA as well, and uh, you know, he went on the he went to the luncheon and tour on Monday two years ago, and happened to love the story that the tour guy told about a a person who had uh, been hit by a train and had a foot severed. It was buried in one corner of the cemetery, as is the uh, that person was that person's religious custom. And then when the person died some years later, the rest of him was buried in a different spot in the cemetery. Peter, Peter liked that story a lot and retold it in his uh, Monday morning quarterback the next week. Wow. That's <laughs> terrific. Well, Dave, it just sounds like another fabulous weekend, uh, to say the least. Uh, you've done a great job with that. I know it's, and with the NSSA overall, it's just been, uh, it's risen in stature, both the organization and that weekend, uh, dramatically under your, uh, stewardship. So, congratulations on that. And, you know, you mentioned Boston, uh, you and I. I know you have a very strong New England connection, needless to say. We've talked about that when we've met. Uh, and with what's gone on here since uh, the Boston Marathon and the bombings that day, uh, I know you have some poignant thoughts. So why don't we take a break now? And on the other side, uh, I want to get your your thoughts on the Boston Marathon bombings. Will do. All right. With that said, we'll take our break, and Dave will stick with us on the other side. flagship station for sports voice america sports do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot tune in to loving that sports talk with james loving every wednesday at noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel 
This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, <clears throat> welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is Dave Gorn, Executive Director of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association and Hall of Fame. And Dave, I know that you, like me, have a very, very strong New England connection. I, of course, live here and have for <laughs> decades. And uh, But I know you... <clears throat> You used to live up this way, and so I really want to hear your thoughts on the Boston Marathon bombings. Uh, as you can imagine, it's been two weeks unlike any other I've ever experienced in my lifetime. Right, and, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I was born and raised in, in Taunton, Massachusetts, about 40 miles southwest of Boston, and uh, covered the Boston Marathon on at least one occasion. I remember... My story wasn't on who won. It was the back of the pack runners, and those were the people who had just probably the fastest from the back of the pack were just starting to finish when those uh, bombs went off uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was just tremendously sad for all the people who were obviously killed and and injured and and lost limbs and and had their lives changed forever because of something most of us can't understand. Why, no matter what you believe, would you kill and maim innocent people. Um, I don't know anyone from my hometown who was affected. Uh, a friend of mine from Winston-Salem, there were several people from a track club there who ran in the race, and a friend of mine actually had just finished 26 miles and was done. I mean, they told her, you know, ushered her off the course, and I have not talked to her since she's been back, but I you know, I read her whole story on, on Facebook page, and it was in the, the local newspaper. And, you know, you, you feel awful for the people who who maybe that was their one chance in a lifetime to run the Boston Marathon. You feel awful for them, but even worse, obviously, for the people who were, who were killed and injured. And it's, you know, it, it's scary. Many times I've thought being in large crowd situations at, at different venues, whether at a, you know, football stadium or a hockey arena or, or baseball stadium, you know, what's to prevent somebody who believes something that's just you know, completely off the wall to most of us to to make that happen, and you you thank you thank your lucky stars every day for the people who are who are our public servants who work in public safety. Who you know, many of many times we probably don't even know where where cases like such as that have been prevented. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, law enforcement does a fabulous job. First responders, uh, you know, and there are a lot of these things are prevented. Unfortunately, this one was not. But, you know, how could it be? I mean, 
anybody who has any familiarity with Boston Marathon, uh, and, and it feels like everybody knows somebody who's run in it or is running in it, uh, it's impossible to patrol. But what struck me, and I was on Boylston Street yesterday, they reopened it Wednesday, I was in town yesterday, walked right by the bombing site and stood right at the finish line, and what I didn't realize until I stood there yesterday was that, you know, the finish line is exactly where the bomb went off. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't 10 feet away or what I, you know, like 10 feet back or whatever. I mean, I stood at the finish line, looked over my shoulder, and it was immediately directly right at the finish line. So that was just pretty eerie to be quite truthful. You know, again, I knew it was at the finish line, but I didn't know it really meant at the finish line, like to, to the foot. Um, so very spooky, uh, you know, nice, uh, very nice message. Huge, huge, huge poster in front of Marathon Sports where, of course, the bomb went off the storefront. Mm -hmm. Just saying Boston Strong with a wonderfully inspiring message. Tribute to the victims, first responders, what have you. And uh, so, yeah, it was just, again, just really eerie. I know, you know, as I'm sure you do, you know, just everybody knows people who run. I mean, I, I know 20, 30 people right from my suburb alone who ran. And, you know, uh, the local paper here was trying to track them all down. And many of them I know personally. So, Although I, I, there's nobody I know personally who was hurt, thank goodness. But uh, nonetheless, you know, the, the stories are just countless here in Boston, as you can well imagine. And many of them, especially the inspiring ones of victims who lost limbs and how they're recovering or, you know, are, are going nationwide and worldwide as they should because it is just... Uh, you know, an incredible time of, you know, just nonstop news, some of it good, some of it bad, but it's just, uh, it's dominated the airwaves unlike anything I've ever experienced in my time here. Right, and, and I was, uh, I have to tell you, I got, when I saw the first notice come into my email about the, the bombs going off, I immediately kicked over to Twitter, and I, and I was just, uh, you know, just fixated on that for the rest of the afternoon, just to, to hear more news, and you know, being in the business of uh, of media, and, and it was kind of twofold. One was interested in the in the situation, what was happening, and the other was looking at it with a critical eye on the the media and sports media and how they covered it. And that was you know, very interesting to me. There were mistakes made, and uh, you know, part of that part of that's very understandable. Uh, in, if you know the way the the news media works. Um, but there were some mistakes that could have been avoided, and I think it was, you know, a valuable lesson for for many of us in in media. You know, what do we learn from that? From the mistakes that were made, you know, can they be avoided? How do you avoid them? Uh, is it important to be first with everything, or is it? You know, it's obviously most important to be right. Uh, but to be first and right is, as somebody uh, put it, very important too, because if if you happen to be watching television let's say and you get the correct information or you or you watch your regular station that you normally watch and they don't have the information that you're looking for you switch to another station and they do have it and it's right you might be more likely to watch that station from now on and that means more viewers you know if, if you're just one of several you're a microcosm of that uh, that means more viewers more advertising money for that station and, and and so that has to be factored in. 
So, yeah, speed is important in, in some respects. It is most important to get your information correct because if you're first with the wrong information, that can be a detriment opposite the way correct information first could be a boon to you. Oh, absolutely, and you bring great perspective to that. I mean, you know, for someone with your background and my background, you know, these are the types of things we think about, and uh, I think this may go down as, you know, the event where, you know, the move was made once and for all to Twitter. I mean, I was on my email. I got the email alert moments after the blasts occurred and immediately went out to the TV and then just as immediately went on to my Twitter and so basically spent the afternoon like millions watching TV and Twitter at the same time, but basically expecting to get my instant news from Twitter. And I think this is going to be remembered as the event that Twitter became in many ways, the primary news I was getting ready to head into the Boston Bruins game that night, the mm-hmm. now famous canceled game. Uh, it's been rescheduled. So I'm going in this Sunday night, which should be very emotional to say the least. Uh, and, um, so it was crazy. You know, I, I'm lucky in that I can drive 10 minutes from here up to the town of Natick, Massachusetts to watch, uh, to watch the marathon runners go by right close to my house without going into Boston. But, you know, it crossed my mind that morning because it was a beautiful day. I thought, well, you know, I'm going into Boston. Uh, why not? Just go in early, watch the marathon. I've worked at the finish line uh, once before, and uh, so I, I can visualize the scene. And, uh, you know, thank goodness I didn't. I mean, the reason's very simple. You'll appreciate this. You know, the finish of the marathon is basically across town, if you will, from the from the garden. So right. I basically thought, well, you know, I'm not going to park at the marathon and walk to the garden, and I'm not going to drive drive to the garden and walk over to the marathon. You know, I, not that I couldn't, but it's a little far. Right. And in this case, just far enough to prevent <laughs> me from going in early. Thank goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it's a it's a chapter that uh, you know you, you'll be seeing the TV specials for years to come, and there will be the annual remembrances and, and and it's just as i said a shame that it had to happen uh, you know not very well organized not uh, as far as we can tell at least with the, the information that's come out in the last couple of weeks but you know to to think that two people could could make that happen and affect the lives of so many people is, is in in a sense mind boggling and obviously yes, it is. sad Yes, it is, and that's exactly, again, how I've been looking at it. You know, two rogues, for lack of a better word, right. you know, acting and, on their own. I think, it, I think it also reinforces, no matter what your political beliefs are, that you know, maybe giving up small amounts of personal freedom to be, to be safer or better secured isn't such a bad thing. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, 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 I've been in line at airports or on on planes and they'll delay for mechanical issues and i said you know i'd rather be 15 minutes late than have the plane not get in the air bingo bingo uh well final note we're down under 30 seconds i was supposed to fly to florida out of logan on tuesday and i quickly tuesday morning when i saw what was the craziness at logan switched to providence which i'm sure you can appreciate and Oh yeah. Instead of going, instead of going Boston to Tampa, I went Providence to Orlando, and uh, and then drove over to Tampa. So, 
crazy. The things we, you know, the, just a crazy day, crazy couple weeks, but bizarre, to say the least. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dave, thank you so much. Your perspective, as always, is terrific. Uh, good luck, uh, you know, in early June with uh, your awards weekend. It was great to hear everything that goes into it. And uh, once again, thank you for coming on the show today. John, it's been my pleasure. Always good to talk to you anytime. Well, thanks again, Dave. And Voice America listeners, uh, thank you for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.